Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Uh, years ago, there was a book written by Joe Aldrich, and it was called Lifestyle Evangelism. And in it, he says there's a legend that recounts the return of Jesus to glory after his time on earth. Even in heaven, he bore the marks of his earthly pilgrimage with his cruel cross and shameful death. The angel Gabriel approached him and said, Master, Master, you must have suffered terribly for men down there. I did, he said. And continued Gabriel, do they know all about what you've done? How much you love them and sacrifice for them? Oh no, said Jesus, not yet. Right now, only a handful of people in Palestine really know. And Gabriel was perplexed. Then what have you done to let everyone know about your love for them, Jesus said. Well, I've asked Peter, James, and John, and a few more friends to tell other people about me. Those who are told will in turn tell others. And my story will spread to the farthest reaches of the globe. Ultimately, all mankind will have heard about my life and what I have done. And Gabriel frowned and looked rather skeptical. He knew well what poor stuff those men were made of. Yes, he said, but what if Peter and James and John grow weary? And what if the people who come after them forget to tell others about you? Haven't you made any other plans? And Jesus answered, I have no other plans. I'm counting on them. And all these centuries later, he still has no other plan. He's counting on you and me. And high on God's to-do list is the evangelization of the world. That all men and women, boys and girls, would know that Jesus Christ came not to condemn, but to save. Not to judge, but to extend his grace and his love and his mercy. And I want to tell you today, you and I are his plan. He has no other plan. This morning, I brought two simple things to remind us of the simple things God called us to be to the world. He said that we would be, what is this? light, and that we would be salt. Yeah, I grind this up, and all of a sudden, wow. That's salty. But that's what Jesus called us to do, to enhance the flavor of a tasteless world, to be a a light. Now, I don't know where you live and how the structure of your home is, but at my house, even though I'm familiar with the walls, When it's dark, 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 I still tend to stub my toe (laughs) or walk into a wall. And that's why I like those little night lights or the bathroom light that guides me in the middle of the night just in case I need to use the facilities, right? You're called the light of the world and the salt of the world. It's our plan. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Does our world need light today? 
Our world is so desperate. The darkness of people, the darkness of people's thinking and theology and, and, and people caught up in just dark little like, I, I call them little trails that kind of go nowhere. Arguments that are just vain. The Bible says stay away from those. You're the light of the world. And then he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people take that lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house so they don't stub their toe in the night. I added that part. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's why here at LFC we talk about love and serve. Love God and love people and serve God and serve people. Why? Because it's from this very verse. This is the why behind that. That people would see our good deeds, our kindness, our gentleness, our generosity, and they would in turn glorify our God in heaven. Little boy was a part of the Sunday school presentation and he forgot his lines. Never seen it at school or in church, I have. And so his mama was in the front row trying to mouth the lines to him. And he couldn't get it. And so she leaned forward and she said, I am the light of the world. That was his line. And so he said with all confidence, my mom is the light of the world. <laughs> well, she was to him. And you are to the world around you. See, without vibrant Christians, the world is the worst place. The world's the worst place. Now, if I said to you today, you are the light of the world, you would wonder. Everyone might wonder around you. Imagine Jesus saying to his followers, saying to you, saying to me, you, you are the light of the world. What's he saying? Well, you can write this down if you're a note taker. I am influential. Now, there's lots of uh, flu bugs going around, cold bugs going around. Uh, COVID's making a, a round with people. And I always think of influenza when I think of influential. We are contagious. You use your influence for yourself, and it will not go well with you. If you use your influence to self-promote, eventually you'll end up holding a bag with the bottom busted out. But if you use your influence, your leverage, your network of people for the good of the kingdom of God, God will bless you. God will honor that. God will use it to bring people to Christ. You are the salt of the earth. You're influential. Now, I want to say to Jesus, excuse me, Jesus. You said you're the light of the world. John 8, 12, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I, I like this. Lord, you be the light and I'll follow you. Good job, Lord. But notice what he says, I am the light, but then he tells his followers, you are the light. Are you confused? No. 
See, when he lives inside of us, when he helps us rise above and live the life that he intended for us to live in Christ, when we become fully devoted followers of Christ, the light that's inside of us flows from us to others. When I graduated from Bible college many moons ago, (laughs) every class had a verse, and our class... We used Isaiah 61, and the name of our class was Reflectors of His Glory. I thought, man, that's a tall order. I was on the committee that picked that verse, and I thought, are you guys really wanting to use this verse? Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's a tall order, guys. Are you sure you want that verse? How about a verse like, we are weak and feeble and frail, but they said, no, we, we like this one. Isaiah 61, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I like that. I like God giving me illumination so I can see, so I can have revelation, so I can follow him, the way, the truth, and the life. But now he says, you're the light of the world. In other words, you follow me, but that light's going to reflect through you to others in such a way that they're going to follow you as you follow me, and they're going to end up following me. You're going to use your influence to bring people to Christ. You're, you're going to use your influence to salt things up a little bit, to bring taste to a tasteless world. It doesn't say try to become salt. You are the salt. It doesn't say try to become the light. You are the light, and you know this. People are watching you. They're watching me. Moms, grandmas, that next generation is watching you. And here's what I've learned about this next generation. Even while they're on their phones, even while they got their earbuds in, they can hear a whisper from across the side of the house. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? You could say, what are you listening to? Get nothing back. But say, we're going to McDonald's. When? I mean, they could have music cranking in their heads, right? And boy, when you talk about things, let me just tell you this. They listen. Many, many years ago, it's a great story. Many, many years ago, I'm out in front of the church. This is so cool. And this little girl runs up to me and she says, Pastor B., Good to see you. I said, good to see you. How are you? She goes, I sure love you. I said, thank you. She goes, well, my my mommy and daddy don't like you at all. (laughs) I thought, what? She goes, oh, yeah, last Sunday in the kitchen, they were talking about you. And, oh, tell me more, I said, you know. (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes, right? I got to learn all about what this couple thought of me from their, their, their child. So the next Sunday, I, I, I sat on it all week. I didn't know what to do with that. And the next Sunday, I saw the mom and dad walking up to church. Oh, good morning, Pastor Week. Good morning. I, I just threw this out. I love you. Yeah, we, we love you too. And then after service, I said, hey, I just got to talk to you about something. What? I said, I know you had this conversation about me in your kitchen. What? What? I said, yeah, your little one told me everything you said. And she told me what you did last summer, and she told me. (laughs) Oh, were they embarrassed? I thought, you know what? Forget me. Take me out of the equation. 
How many other things would those parents talk about and those little ears? Hey, boy, we've got people listening to us. They're watching social media posts. They're, they're, they're paying so much attention right now, scrutinizing everything that we say or do. Last week, I talked about the power of being agents of grace. Back in the Roman times, it was this proverb, nothing is more useful than sun and salt. And that's why Jesus picked those two things. The sun is so important. The, 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 the salt is so important. Just imagine popcorn without salt. How boring. Maybe like salt on their popcorn. Come on. All right. Then we said, well, I'm in a low-sodium diet. I can't. Okay, good. Gotcha. But you're the salt of the earth. Hey, how do salt and light make a difference? Let me, let me give it to you this way. First, by being different. By being different. They're not the same. They're different than the rest of the world. You see, salt preserves because it's different from what you put on it. You don't salt your salt. You put salt on food because it's different from the food, so it changes the food. And we all know about the times of Jesus where there was no refrigeration. It was salt that was used to preserve meat, to allow it to be around for a while. There was also um, pure salt, but when Bible times happened, they would get salt from the Salton Sea or from the Dead Sea, and it wasn't pure salt, and so it could actually look like salt. It could, could, could have white crystal, but it had no more salty flavor or taste. And Jesus says, don't you be like the false salt. Don't you be like the fake salt. Be, be, the, be the real stuff. And secondly, salt and light make things different by being in contact with the thing they are changing. So if I have this light at my house, it does you no good at your house. But if I let my light shine before you and I let my light shine before my neighbors and I let my light shine, the, the glory of the Lord reflect through me to shine to others, it makes a difference everywhere I go. If I add a, a, a tastefulness to a world that's, that lacks taste, God's going to use that. It's a difference but I've got to come in contact with people. Uh, I can just tell you this, that true evangelism never happens in isolation. You have to mix with the world, and a lot of Christians have trouble mixing with non-Christians. I just find it fascinating. Um, that's why for many years I, I, I've been a chaplain, and people go, well, what do you get to do? I get to ride in a black and white car and exceed the speed limit legally. I don't get to drive, but I get to go. It's kind of cool sometimes. And where do we go? We, we go in all kinds of places and hear all kinds of language. And I frankly find it refreshing because where I work in the church, there's nobody that uses profanity here. Some of you work in places where profanity is a common place. I, I don't work in a place where there's profanity. I actually find profanity refreshing. That means I'm mixing with people of not my kind. I mean, I don't have too many people that use the F-bomb and they don't use it here. Just think about that. For some of you, I mean, you hear it all the time. You hear S-word, you hear F-bomb, you hear, you know, God's name in vain. I, I don't get to hear that. So you go, Pastor, you're weird. You find that refreshing? Yes, 
because it means that I'm influencing somebody that's not of my kind. I have a friend of mine who always says this every time he drops the F-bomb. Ooh, ooh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot you were here, as though it's offensive to me. I said, don't forget about me. There's someone else listening. I like that. I think that's fun. I'm sorry. I'm just confessing my, my feeling. The third thing is the scope of your influence. The earth and the world. This is huge. You're going to help change the world. Isn't that daunting? You're the salt of the earth. You're the, you're the light of the world. Isn't that, that just overwhelming to you? I want to share a story with you. In 1855, Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher in Chicago, he led a 19-year-old shoe clerk to Christ. The shoe clerk eventually became the world-famous evangelist by the name of Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody. You may have heard of Moody Bible Institute. In 1879, Moody influenced the well-educated and cultured British theologian, a theologian, Frederick B. Meyer, or F.B. Meyer, who'd written commentaries and sermons and whose preaching style was evangelistic in nature. And Meyer influenced a young preacher named Wilbur Chapman to become an effective evangelist. As his work grew, he needed an assistant, and he hired a former baseball player with a high school education named Billy Sunday. What a great name for a preacher, Sunday. And he eventually led over one million people to Christ. In 1924, while Sunday was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, a prayer group was formed that later invited another evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham to come preach. It was while Ham was preaching, a teenager walked into the tent, the evangelistic tent, and gave his life to Jesus. His name might be one more familiar to you, Billy Graham. And Billy Graham preached Christ to more than anyone in the history of mankind. It all started with Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher who led a young man to Christ, but of course it really started with someone who led Edward Kimball to Christ, whose name we don't even know, but God knows his name. We, we can be Edward Kimball's, can't we? We can be ones who serve our kids in Sunday school or serve our youth or help serve in such a way we send kids to camp or whatever it is that we do. God will always use you to make a difference and he'll use your influence to win people to Christ. Let me tell you number two, it's a negative part of the message that influence can be lost. If salt loses its saltiness, if you take the light and put it under a bowl or a cover, you can actually have influence that gets lost. I influence can be lost by compromise, where we water down the gospel, where we're afraid to tell people about our faith in Christ. Someone said, don't talk about politics or religion and you'll be okay. Well, I stay away from politics. And I'm not really big on religion, so I guess I'm okay. But I'm big on a relationship with Christ. 
I'm big on telling people that there's a God that they matter to. I, I'm big on telling people that there's a Lord who wants to forgive them and, and save their, 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 their life from sin and that he wants them to know his love. And I, I know there's people out there who are desperate today to be able to say, I have encountered the Lord and I've encountered him through you. Influence can be lost by isolation. Some Christians lose their influence because they compromise and they kind of blend in with the world. I mean, I'm not talking about hair style or clothing style, but I'm talking about values and morals today. It's easy to water down the Bible. It's easy to water down the power of the Holy Spirit. It's easy to, to, to not allow the gifts of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit to be manifest in your life, lest we offend someone. Well, here's what I say. Let's offend people in the right way. Yeah, you're always, you're always praying for me. I'm offended by that. No, said no one ever. Huh? You're always so kind and so nice. You show me the love of God through your life. No, no, people aren't upset by that. How come you're always reaching out to me? How come you're always, why do you care so much about me? Uh, people desperately want to know how much you care. And you've heard this before, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And a lot of people are out there trying to let people know what they know. Well, I don't know that much, but I know how to care. I love what John Stott said. He said, and when society does go bad, we Christians tend to throw up our hands in pious horror and report, re, re, reproach the non-Christian world. But should we not rather reproach ourselves? One can hardly blame unsalted meat for going bad. It can't do anything else. The real question is, where is the salt? It's us. Someone said, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. I said, why don't we grab the handbasket <laughs> and try to bring it to Christ, the giver of life, the one who makes a difference. So on the positive side, number three, I wanted to say, make the most of your influence. Make the most of your influence. Let your light shine. Let's say it. Let your light shine. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice it doesn't say they'll glorify you. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and turn and glorify God. Wouldn't it be great if every one of us had at least one person who was now glorifying God and worshiping God because we serve them well? Wouldn't it be great if every one of us had at least one person who was glorifying God and worshiping God because we became salt in their life? We led them to, to Christ. I love um, a book called Weird. When I first got this book, I liked it because I think I'm weird. I do. Uh, Craig Groeschel, the author, the pastor of Life Church, wrote the book called Weird. And, and underneath the title, Weird, it said, Because Normal Isn't Working. His point is that the, the, the way most people are doing life isn't working anymore. He talks about time and money, relationships, sex, and values, and each of those 
Christians are called to be different, or a term we've heard many times, counterculture. We manage our time, our money differently. We treat relationships and sex differently. We live with different values because we're weird in a really good way. And in the book, he says, why aren't we weirder? Wasn't it Peter who said, you're a peculiar people? That's what God's called us, to be odd. We need to be a little odd. We need to be a little weird. You know, moms, grandmas, be weird. Some of you are. You're weird because you had kids. I, I get it, right? 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 said, but just as you are, who, the one who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy because I am, because I am what? I'm, I'm, I'm holy. Be, be like me. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be different or unique. It means to be set apart. God is utterly different from us, and he's asking us to be utterly different from the world. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Wouldn't this be a great verse for every Christian on the planet to receive today? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The following uh, that I'm going to read to you is inscribed on a tomb of an Anglican bishop in the crypts of Westminster Abbey. I've never been there, but when I found this, I thought it fits. I'd like to read it before I pray. When I was young and free, and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser, I discovered the world would not change. Shortened my sight somewhat and decided to change only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew into my twilight years, in one last desperate attempt, I settled for changing my family. Those closest to me, but, but alas, they would have none of it. And now as I lay on my deathbed, I suddenly realize if I only changed myself first, then by example, I might have changed my family, and from their inspiration and encouragement, I would then have been able to better my country, and who knows, I may have been able to change the world. If you want to make a difference, be different. Let God change you, and let that change be a ripple effect that changes people around you. May you do as my class, the Bible life, Bible college graduating class of many years ago, <laughs> said, let's be the reflectors of his glory. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Find a way this week to go be salt to someone who's lost their saltiness or maybe their life just doesn't have much taste in it. Uh, find a way to let your light shine before men and women. They, they see your good works and they glorify God in heaven. Think how many people are aimlessly walking around in the darkness, bumping into walls, doing more than stubbing their toe. But you could be the one who brings them to the light of Jesus. We say it a lot around here. People often think that our 
our religion or our relationship with Christ is, is, is to be private. No. It's to be personal, but never private. Don't keep it to yourself. Hide it under a bushel. Nope. I'm going to let it shine. Well, there's a song too. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you've called us to be light in this dark world, that you've called us to shine for you, that you've called us to be salt in a tasteless world. Remind us, God, that you would never call us without enabling us, that you would never guide us without providing for us. And this call to be salt and light is not an easy one, but Lord, you're the one making the call, so we trust in you that you will guide us, that you will lead us, that you'll enable us, that you'll empower us in these days to represent you well. We all have a message to share. It's the message of the Lord. And I pray, Lord, we will gravitate to the truth of your faithfulness, your faithfulness to each one of us, a faithfulness that can cause us to be faithful to you and to bring many to know who you are as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.